you know, quite often people ask me, well, if the real estate, you know, is so good, good, why does that, why, why is it being discounted, right? And so we need to go through what that actually looks like. Welcome to the Urban Property Investor. I'm your host, Sam Saggers, here to help you crack the code of real estate wealth. Today's show, another doozy. We're going to dig into the idea of getting a discount in the real estate market. How does it happen? How does it unfold? How do so many people build multiple assets in the real estate marketplace? Quite often, we think about real estate when it goes up in value. And right now, certainly real estate around Australia and New Zealand is skyrocketing in value for the most part. So it's easy quite often to think that you only make money out of real estate when it travels up in value. But what happens when you short the real estate marketplace? Today, we're going to talk about this and crack into this code. There are ways to make money out of real estate without the market doing anything whatsoever. And a big part of my strategy over the years has certainly been making money when the market has 0% capital growth. So let's dig into the show. If it's your first time listening, tuning in to the Urban Property Investor, Certainly welcome aboard. Just remember, play the show in double speed. And of course, all of the podcasts within the show are lessons in one way, shape or form. So feel free to backtrack if learning about discounts is not for you. Hey, if you're watching on YouTube, you're probably noticing my new fluorescent sign behind my head. Yes, I'm upping the production value of the show. I've got the neon sign flashing in the background. And, uh, well, I look like, uh, I don't know, King's Cross at nighttime in here now. It's, uh, it's uh, yeah, quite the flashy production. It's like having a big, I don't know, big McDonald's behind my head, a big McDonald's sign or something. But, hey, looks good to me. And uh, if it makes me easier on the eye and deflects from my rude head, Now you've got uh, a little bit of a neon sign in the background. That's great as well. All is well in my life. And today we are here to talk discounts and, of course, how that relates to the real estate marketplace. So let's have the money conversation. Yes, I think when it comes to creating wealth out of real estate, We need to create assets. We need to get multiple assets into the market, hold those assets, potentially even sell down some of those assets to control debt. Remember, leverage does control debt. And a big part of a lot of property investors' journey is to end up in a place where they're part of this kind of dynamic of 1% of property investors that has multiple assets. And as you know, I'm a big believer of teaching a bit of a strategy, a bit of a plan. If you don't have a roadmap, you're definitely going to wake up 10, 15 years from now, not understanding potentially where you should be from a property investment perspective. The roadmap I teach quite often is we want to end up with around five properties going into retirement so we can sell some down, pay off some debt on some others and end up asset rich with cash flow rolling in. Now, as we are probably experiencing at this present time, real estate is going up in value. And quite often, I see a lot of property investors come into the market when the real estate market is traveling north, traveling up in value. And actually, when the real estate market starts to go a little bit down in value, they start to get very nervous about holding on to that real estate and becoming really a medium to long-term investor. And as I've alluded to in past programs, you know, to be a medium investor, you really need to hold asset from anywhere from sort of 13 to 20 years. Um, If you want to be a long-term investor, it's 21 plus years to be a long-term investor. 
Now, think about that. The GFC was in 2008. If you bought real estate around the GFC period, the global financial crisis period, you probably got yourself a bit of a deal because back then real estate was going down in value. And today that real estate, which is now celebrating basically its 13th year, is now a medium-term investment for those people who bought during the GFC. I highlight that because that's how long it takes to get a financial outcome, a real financial outcome from real estate. Sure, we can make nickels and dimes and be what I refer to as a two-bob property investor, making 50, 100, 150 grand out of real estate. But if we want to go into the place of pulling half a million dollars, a million dollars out of real estate, we need to give real estate time to evolve during market cycles. Now, to create a less complicated version of cycles, I teach really there are three versions to the cycle. There's the up cycle, there's the down cycle, and then there's the secular cycle. The upswing or the rising market is really evident right now. There are more buyers than there are properties right now and probably will be like that for some time. What that does is create pressure on prices going up. Now, I quite often see this a lot, that property investors who get exposed to an upward swing or rising marketplace quite often... uh, choose to sit out of a more stagnant or falling market. And they do that at their own peril because to build a property portfolio, it's actually a lot easier if the market is not always going up in value. Now, that's going to sound crazy because when markets go up in value and if you own assets, you are making money. But When real estate markets are going up in value, it also becomes a little bit harder to keep acquiring more assets. If you can do it, if you've got the financial backing to do it, you should just get into the market. There really is no perfect time. But also, markets do fall in value, and uh, the most recent experience of that was probably around 2018 when APRA meddled with lending and the markets capitulated and places like Sydney, for example, dropped, you know, 10, 15% in value because lending or liquidity was very, very difficult to get. So as a property investor, we're going on this journey, right? And for many people, the sooner they acquire assets, the sooner they're actually on this 15-year roadmap for medium term growth. Now, I teach the Forex growth plan. The Forex growth plan is simple. After 15 years, the assets you acquire, um, you know, should have well and truly gone up, doubled in value. And if you bought in the right locations, maybe even outperformed doubling in value and also seen rental growth. So there's a lot of work to do behind the scenes, right? We're going to get to the idea of discounts because buying real estate is not always about buying real estate that is riding this growth wave of a rising tide, of a rising marketplace. In fact, I think really, and I alluded to this last time, one of the biggest rules of investment is if the market was to shut down for 10 years, you know, you really want to own real estate, which is incredibly safe and sound because just potentially the day you retire may be the year of the next GFC. To overcome that, uh, we often talk about de-risking real estate by buying in really better locations. Now, I want to go back to the GFC because it is a time in my life which from our property investment point of view, was a spectacular period of acquiring assets. Now, again, I allude to, I teach the five properties, five cities plan. We want to have five properties. 
the reason five's a good number is we're using leverage to control debt. For some people, they may be able to go into a debt reduction program and keep those five properties. For other people, the leverage of growth and having more assets in the marketplace allows that person potentially, if they can't control paying down debt, the ability to sell a property to lower the debt on another property. That's the game we're playing as a property investor, the game of leverage. And again, uh, there are less risky strategies than leveraging into the real estate marketplace. And for many people, leveraging into the real estate marketplace is not designed for you because if you can't manage, you know, your household budget, how are you going to manage four, five, six, seven, eight properties all at once? It becomes a bit of a challenge, right? So potentially, uh, you need to not even buy real estate, depending on who you are. But if you're capable, this is the game we are playing. Now, back in the GFC, it was a bit of a bloodbath, the real estate marketplace. And what we did learn from the GFC, the global financial crisis, was places like Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne withstood the storm. However, many marketplaces absolutely got butchered when it came to the value proposition and how they went down in value. Namely, really off the back of the GFC, places like Cairns dropped 30-40% in value. Um, Certainly the Gold Coast absolutely got carved up. In fact, that era, the... um, The big challenge in the economy was the Australian dollar and a lot of people could holiday overseas for less than they could in Australia by virtue of the dollar and tourism fell through the floor and also because money was being recalled left, right and centre and there was a liquidity issue, the global financial crisis was fundamentally the banks were going broke in America, um, Bear Stern was basically going into liquidation. So money was being recalled left, right, and center. And a lot of holiday marketplaces, Noosa, Sunshine Coast, Gold Coast, Cairns, where people have holiday homes, all of a sudden uh, properties went on the market left, right, and center because. People will offload discretionary assets before primary assets. And again, what this did to a lot of these marketplaces was saw huge amounts of reversal of real estate fortunes in those areas. Really, since the GFC, I've been a big advocate of buying primary assets in stable economies, which are not reliant upon single industries such as tourism, uh, such as mining, such as, um, you know, a one-horse town, so to speak. Um, I've certainly flirted with a few places, but really primary investments for me really since the GFC have been, you know, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, um, and albeit uh, a tad boring to potentially some people in the marketplace, uh, boring is good in business. That is what business is about. And for a lot of property investors, they're in the business of being a property investor. And quite frankly, business is not meant to be spectacular. It is meant to be boring and safe. And as such, um, you know, uh, those assets have been safeguarded thus far. Even uh, back when Brisbane flooded in, uh, I think it was 2011, Uh, There was obviously a a mismanagement of the water catchment inside Brisbane and the river itself overheated and overflowed. And and we saw, again, a real stagnant time in Brisbane, but not a big bud bluff. And this is is why I think in a rising market, you see the best out of places like Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, but also in a falling market, you see the best in places like Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane. Now, I have a bit of a, you know, technically some of South uh, Western Sydney, you know, the, the debt levels are pretty high. 
I'd be um, generally putting my money in, you know, probably more the primary parts of Sydney and Melbourne and Brisbane over sort of Western Sydney at this point in time just because of the debt levels versus the incomes. So rising market, we get that. We're kind of living through one. Uh, falling market, there are degrees of how markets actually reverse in value. And uh, we want the less volatility in our game. And that's why we just stick to basic principles of where people work, right? And this again comes back to the oldest formula in real estate, pie. We want a piece of the pie, population, infrastructure and economics. We want a growing population, infrastructure full to the brim and economics, which is just jobs or employment. Then we've got secular markets and secular markets are basically the best way to understand it, very independent, independent to really the cycle itself, if you like. Um, Whenever there's a downturn, there's certain suburbs going up in value, Uh, secular, independent. Now, I've alluded to this before in my Forex growth plan. I also teach secular buying. So my Forex growth plan, years of experience, three decades I've been a property uh, investor or in the property industry. And certainly since uh, I've been doing the Forex growth plan, which uh, dates back to circa 2007 for me, prior to that, I was doing all sorts of different investments, positive cash flow investments, strata subdivisions, subdivisions, renovations. Oh man, I've done... I think I counted 22 different strategies, which I will come back and do a podcast on. But uh, certainly um, since 2015, just sort of knuckling, uh, sorry, 2007 and just knuckling down and going, you know what, Uh, I'm going to make my life easy, build a plan which is bulletproof. Uh, It's certainly worked out that way for me and it's worked out for a lot of my clients. So obviously rising market, falling market, they're the kind of two markets, you know, things do stagnate and go sideways. Um, Stagnation is a real thing inside the real estate marketplace. It's certainly not a good idea to have a perverted context of real estate just goes up in value. It doesn't really work like that. There is a concept known as mean reversion, which is basically that, you know, you could go 10 years without growth and then over two years, you get uh, basically 12 years worth of growth, 10 years without it, another two, 12 years worth of growth in sort of two years, if that kind of makes sense. So real estate is, um, you know, subject to mean reversion, which is is really a normal thing. The, the idea that real estate doesn't necessarily grow 5% per annum, but over the long term it does. And that is why you know, rule 72 is a good one to comprehend. And I've talked about that on past podcasts. So we got uh, rising markets, we've got falling markets, we've got stagnating markets, and really secular markets, right? And again, for me, I like to, to buy in both a falling market, a rising market, a market which is stagnated, and do it at a secular level, go very independent, that's where I teach five principles about being quite independent in the real estate market, being uh, looking for monopoly-based real estate markets, oligopoly-based real estate markets, emerging markets, aspirational markets, very independent uh, really if they are in the right broad marketplace like a Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane. So uh, that brings us to the conversation around discounting. Now, in my Forex growth plan, uh, I've built the plan so you basically buy well, have a good secular location, location growth. So first growth is deal growth, second growth, location growth, third growth, market growth, uh, all built around pie. And the fourth growth is that humanistic experience, which I recently talked about a little bit about that um, in a recent podcast about the idea that, you know, today we don't necessarily just want to buy real estate off a spreadsheet. We also want to make sure it's got great views or it's a walkable suburb or it's connected to a knowledge precinct or the property itself has got great space and amenity. 
all of that is what people want. Real estate is a business. It is a people business. And as such, um, you know, you've got to think through what people want from real estate, not just what looks good on an Excel spreadsheet. So that is uh, the Forex growth plan. And I've got some other plans, my 13 cash flow strategy plan um, and what that actually means to some of the trends in the marketplace. And of course, we've got to do this over a period of time, the passage of time. And that is the biggest challenge for people because when the market tips upside down, uh, people run away from real estate. And it is actually the worst thing you can do because the best time to acquire assets is when the market is actually stagnating or going through a period of weakness. So what happens is a lot of property investors never get to five, six, seven properties because the time they should actually buy as much as they can, they uh, go into hiding, if you like. They go into hiding. And I understand why. Real estate is is you know feels scary um and certainly when the news is clickbaiting people that you know the world is ending certainly for a lot of people uh you know who do other things for a profession you know buying more real estate doesn't necessarily sound exciting in a falling marketplace or a stagnating marketplace but I'm here to tell you it can be. So in my Forex growth plan, I've always had uh, some different ways to do deals, right? And I've done 22 different strategies. Um, Some of the strategies, just by way of example, are things like pre-construction, off the plan, delaying a settlement, land banking, uh, creating um, vendor finance, building for profit, doing a knockdown rebuild, amalgamating properties. I'm doing some amalgamations at the moment. Uh, Developing, doing joint ventures, doing renovations, doing subdivisions. But I think one of the easiest ones of them all is the idea of using the gift of the gab and getting a good price, getting a discount, getting a discount. Now, Right now in the marketplace, it is a little bit trying to get a discount, but they are out there. I'm certainly haggling as best as I can to find the right deals to get a discount on. And again, because the market is rising in value, discounts are not necessarily as uh, as large as they were, for example, in a stagnated marketplace. But the point is, when you build a property portfolio, if you can ride the bull, you're going to get growth quite quickly, which is great. But when the growth stops, don't stop being a property investor because actually, if you were just building a portfolio through a growth spurt, it is very limited. How people buy more real estate and acquire more assets is quite often when the market is stagnating And as such, that stagnation creates opportunity for property investors to use one of the best principles in real estate, other people's money. Other people's money, yes, discounting. So I'm going to teach you some ideas around discounting and why it works and why people often, uh, you know, give away properties cheaper than what they bought them for. Uh, pass on opportunities to other investors, pass on opportunities to to other buyers. And, um, you know, quite often people ask me, well, if the real estate, you know, is so good, good, why does that, why, why is it being discounted, right? And so we need to go through what that actually looks like. Now, the first uh, discount, if you like, and I'm going to go through Uh, basically eight different Ds. Yes, Ds. And uh, we're going to talk about them, right? And how they can uh, work for you. Now, the first two Ds, I think you need to be very wary of when it comes to a discount. 
because some discounts are fool's gold. And I've mentioned this before. You can easily buy the first D, which is a dud, a dud property, dud location, dud marketplace. And it's a dud. And all that is happening is the dud is being passed on to you. So once we understand and comprehend that, yeah, there are some dud real estate deals out there that you do not want a part of. And the reason the vendor is discounting the deal is because no one's going to buy the property. And because no one's going to buy the property, the best thing to do is create a discount for you to take that real estate off that person's hands. Now, in my podcast about spreadsheets and the humanistic experience of real estate, what I was referring to through that podcast was very much the idea that we want to avoid duds because today there is a lot of real estate being recycled from an investor to another investor, dud to dud, um, based on the yield, but the real estate really has no ability to, to grow into the future. And, you know, there's that famous saying in business, if you exchange dollars for pennies, you're absolutely going to get burnt. And uh, without question, you know, you want to avoid the first D, which is the dud. The second D that you want to avoid, which may come with a bit of a discount, is the dump, right? The dump, yes. The second D, the dump. There's a lot of real estate today, which is should be demolished. It's past its use by date. It's decayed. It's fallen apart so badly that if you were to take on the operating cost of that asset, even if it was to grow in value, the cash flow loss on your back pocket to see growth occur is just too heavy. So there are two red flags when it comes to uh, certainly getting a discount. And uh, the first two, getting a dud or getting uh, getting a dud or getting a dump, which basically is not going to do you any favors. And I've certainly fallen for that myself, where I've bought a property, thinking I'm getting a really good price, um, looking at past sales performance, going, wow, you know, it's under what that other person paid for it. It's got to be a good price. They pay too much. I'm a legend. And really all I was buying was a problem, right? A problem that could not be solved. A dud. A dud. And I've certainly been in the place where I've bought something which is a bit of a dump. And, you know, you get a hold of it and then all of a sudden... Yeah, you know, you're just factoring in why is there's just so many repairs every month? Something's breaking every month. The the taps need the washer and the handyman needs to go to the property. It just becomes relentless. So once you remove that uh, logic from the your idea of finding a deal, a discount, you're left with six real good ways to find real estate to buy that will make you money from the purchase of the property rather than just from the market going up. And that is the principle of the Forex growth plan. The first principle is if we can make money out of the deal, it doesn't really matter what happens to the market itself. Now, I will say doing deals is really a small proportion of the capital growth of the real estate itself. And what I mean by that, if it takes 15 years for a $500,000 property to become a million dollars, really the idea of getting a deal to begin with is maybe worth $50,000 of that $500,000 gain. What's more important is the location, the overall market, and the humanistic experience that real estate creates for human beings who get emotional about it and pay more for it. But there is opportunity. And the reason I wanted to talk about discounting today is, again, probably 2023, 2024, something like that, the market will definitely, you know, correct or stagnate or whatever it's going to do. Nobody really knows. But we as a property investor, if we're building or acquiring assets and building this portfolio and we're going through the stage of acquisition, meaning 
We need more assets, then it is the best because you're going to get deals and you might have bought one or two while the market's riding high and rising in value. But when the counter cycle comes, it's even better to buy real estate and it allows you to use that equity you've made through the rising market to again get some deals and go again, right? So uh, you can't have one without the other. It's like the old yin and yang. So what are six good ways to get a discount and why do people uh, often create discounts for others? Why do people create opportunities for others? The first one is, or the next D, if you like, is deadlines. Yes, time-bound deals. Deadlines are a great way to make money. Great way to make money when uh, certainly people are, yeah, you know, struggling to meet those deadlines. Now, some of the best deals I did back in sort of 2017 were deals where foreign investors bought real estate under a deadline, a settlement deadline, and couldn't settle. And they had 20% deposits down with the vendor, and the vendor also being a developer was very, very commercial, and would create some of the best deals using other people's money, being the foreign investors' money, to help local buyers get into those deals and those marketplaces. That deadline that those foreign investors were on absolutely created huge amounts of money for people. And by virtue of, uh, you know, this thing called time or a deadline, you know, people acquired assets which really allowed them to get a fast turnaround of uh, cash. So rather than put cash into the market and wait for the market to do something with it, their deadlines allowed them to move that cash around far quicker. And it was just simply because the foreign investors could not settle and they were under a deadline that an opportunity got created for uh, property investors. Now, look, most foreign investment real estate is absolute rubbish. Uh, the deals I'm talking about or referring to, very nice um, real estate and as such, perfect to strike a deal using the closed strategy of a deadline. The next strategy is really developers. Now, developers are professional investors. That's what they do for a living. And as business people, they often look at real estate as the ability for them to buy more real estate themselves. So what is very, very common in, um, in real estate is for developers to do deals with buyers. And it's just no different. They're in the volume game and they can create uh, opportunities for people to, to certainly, um, you know, make money out of real estate. And again, developers are just more likely to go, you know what, um, I'm developing on a 20% profit margin. I can't, uh, you know, the market's soft rather than, you know, basically trying to create 20%. I will pass on my wholesale price to the buyer. And I've done some great deals like that over the years with um, with some developers where really they're struggling and it's not because the product is ineffective. It's because the market is going through a weak period. And when the market goes through a weak period and developers are stuck with stock, there is a great opportunity to get their margin and extract it yourself. And, you know, I bought real estate which you know, should be sold for $500,000 for, you know, $400,000. And I've done that um, quite often when the market is not rising like it is today. Right now, most developers are not going to offer a deal like that. That's just not, uh, not, not feasible for them or necessary for them at, 
uh, in the current state of affairs. But the point is, into the future, when you're acquiring your third or fourth or fifth property, this is the opportunity, right? And quite often, you're just not seeing those opportunities today. So again, as the cycles, you know, dance around and change direction, these are the cool opportunities which uh, which do pop up. The next one, or the th- uh, the next positive D is distress, right? And a lot of uh, people get stressed by real estate. When you buy real estate, you're buying problems. And one of the the biggest problems you often uh, see in the real estate marketplace is people get stressed out when real estate markets adjust. And it's that distress that really almost creates this momentary madness in people's minds to get out of real estate. And, you know, distress, um, you know, can come in in all sorts of uh of, of ways. It's not nice for the people going through the distress, but a lot of people today, for example, are buying loans and uh, will become stressed from any future interest rate increase down the track. Now, if you look at the house price versus income ratio of certain areas, probably the one red flag when it comes to future economic distress to hold properties at a big macro level is kind of Western Sydney. Hence why, you know, if you look at what people earn in that area versus what they're paying for a house, um, if interest rates go up, there's going to be distress in that marketplace. So would I buy in Western Sydney? Not now. But when the stress comes, potentially yes, because it's going to allow you to get a better deal, right? Pay less for real estate. By paying less for real estate, you're probably going to get a better return for real estate. By paying less for real estate, you're going to have a smaller mortgage. And so again, distress is is a big one. And generally distress happens in real estate because money changes direction and that is done generally through interest rates. So uh, the next D as to why discounts are available in the marketplace in at uh, the right cycle is quite often disillusion. Disillusion. Yes. People come, uh, I guess, uh, unsatisfied with assets that they own. They become disgruntled, if you like. And again, usually this is a human behavior which really has nothing to do with the real estate. And again, we often refer to this as some sort of goals misalignment. So what happens is someone might uh, own a property, um, they buy the asset, they Real estate is not like a business suit. You you know, you can't take it back. Real estate is slow. It's cumbersome. There's selling costs. There's buying fees. Um, there's holding costs. And, you know, quite often, for example, uh, a couple may buy a property um, not expecting to have kids. They buy, I don't know, an apartment. Um, all of a sudden, they've, you know, having twins. And all of a sudden... They're kind of like disgruntled with their life and they're like, well, I've got to sell this because now where I live doesn't actually house the family I've got. And this whole idea of disillusion starts to set in. And again, owners become dismayed with with where they're at in their life and where they should be in their life. And when people come dismayed, they're more likely to do, to do deals. And, you know, I see this a lot, for example, um, really good properties sometimes owned by investors. They bought it five years ago. Uh, the market, you know, does nothing for five years. They think they should be economically retired from an asset that takes 20 plus years to create 
hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars for them. And they're dismayed. They're like, well, I want to retire next year. And now I own this uh, asset and it's, it, it's, it's out of kilter with my life. So when real estate is out of kilter with people's life story, this is where this dismay sets in. And this is where you strike as a negotiator and can create some really, really, really cool deals, which is, uh, you know, which is the way it's done. So the next D is debunk. It's not even a D, but because we need it to be a D to create the eight Ds, we call it debunk. Um, foreclosures. Oh, man, foreclosures used to be really in the GFC was probably, you know, my biggest skill set. I would spend literally, I spent all of 2007, 2008, 2009 in the foreclosure marketplace. Basically, what happens is real estate in some weaker periods of time, people obviously get stressed. Um, if money doesn't, you know, if they can't pay the bills and they can't pay the mortgage, then the bank moves in and uh, the foreclosures happen. Now, foreclosures are a great way to buy real estate at a low price. And here in Sydney, um, you know, there was very common to have foreclosure markets uh, where properties were auctioned and investors were able to buy real estate, you know, 20, 25, 30% below value in certain suburbs because of the idea of foreclosure. Now, you know, I'm not a big fan of, you know, poor old mum and dad can't pay the bills to, you know, go in and, and uh, you know, basically go to the, the bank auction of their house. Uh, and the reason I'm not is, you know, now, unlike 2008, inequality is a real thing, right? And, you know, the reality is a lot of where individual properties get foreclosed on are in really subpar degrade locations where economically people are broke anyway. So again, getting a, a foreclosure discount in a broke marketplace might allow you to make 50 grand from day one, but then you're holding an asset in a broke marketplace. Uh, all of that, you know, Sounds horrible to me. Um, I want to own A-grade assets. Rich people own A-grade assets, not broke assets where people can't play the bills. Now, remember, in real estate, there are really marketplaces which are more prone to mortgagee sales. And again, this is this is the foreclosures of mortgagee sales in mortgagee suburbs. Yeah, I... I I've done it in the past. I've bought that real estate in the past. I've helped other people buy that real estate in the past. But I think, you know, 10 years ago to where we are today, it's a big difference in really, uh, you know, what that looks like. Potentially, I don't know, into the future, maybe, maybe we're using all of our A-grade assets to just fund bucket loads of these foreclosures in, uh, you know, in Gopnik villages. Potentially. Um, I'm going to leave that one open-ended, but certainly in the past, what I've seen the best deals being done from bank foreclosures has, uh, has certainly been, for example, developers who go into liquidation. Um, so, so, you know, what happens when you develop, you borrow money to build and develop the, uh, development. And then at the Right at the end of the development, a developer is at peak level of debt. And quite often they have completed the development, but if they are carrying too many unsold pieces of real estate, all of a sudden the horrendous level of debt that they're under can crush them. And the bank then moves in, seizes the asset, and all of a sudden, you've got a great foreclosure deal on your hands. Now, um, back in 2000, 
And eight uh, and 2009, I ended up acquiring two properties, which today, between those two assets, which were basically really good inner and middle ring Sydney real estate, I think I've made about $1.5 million out of that particular real estate. It buffers around, obviously, equity is air, so it goes up and then it comes back. But, I mean, based on today with the record sales we're seeing in inner and middle Sydney, you know, those just those two deals that I bought off the bank under a foreclosure mechanism – um, have have skyrocketed in value over that time since basically, you know, 2008. So was that uh, 13, 14 years? So the, the point of it is when these opportunities come up, um, you want to be in a position to strike on them. And, uh, you know, back then I was doing a lot of work with uh, Grant Thornton, Goldman Sachs, oh, not Goldman Sachs, Grant Thornton, um, Ernst & Young, uh, Hall Chadwick. Uh, basically, what happens is a large accounting firms are put in charge of sometimes di- distributing and unwinding assets. And so in a foreclosure marketplace, when that ends up unfolding again in Australia, it's a really good time to buy assets. Really, really, really good time. So uh, I'm looking back with uh, fond memories of those days when, you know, no one really wanted real estate and, um, you know, there was just really good buying opportunities, A-grade buying opportunities. I, you know, um, was able to pick up, you know, a cracking terrace house for, uh, it was, what was it, eight. 30 and today it's it's worth about 1.8 so it's yeah that one in itself you know it's probably up a million bucks so you bought I bought it at a foreclosure I've held it uh, now for a medium period of time and and that is wealth right that is wealth and again a lot of people could have bought that asset but chose not to because they were scared of that particular time frame. And the reason I want to do this episode is really a lot of people uh, have a great opportunity to make money now in the rising marketplace, but don't disappear when things close up. Don't listen to, you know, inverted commas, Karen on Facebook telling you, you know, the world's going to end. The fact the world may be slowing down into the future and correcting it's going to be a great time to buy real estate. And the last D uh, is something dissolving. Something dissolving, right? And this is where you often see things like divorce, death, um, even companies, right? Um, I'm wheeling and dealing on on some real estate at the moment, some five good properties. Uh, company owns them. The company wants to dissolve. Uh, the company wants to wind it up, basically, and uh, needs to offload the assets to wind up the company to move on to do something else. And these are sometimes the sort of commercial realities of real estate. So dissolving things or things dissolving is a great way to make money. You know, obviously, you know, people do get divorces and uh, tend to need to create a decision quicker than, you know, than they would normally do and create a get a price they would uh, probably get more if they weren't dissatisfied with their relationship so these things are real and again uh, when it comes to the D's just watch out for the dud and the dump you do not want that as a D Uh, deadlines great one to make money Um, certainly into the future, I'm sure there's going to be some deadlines where people can do really, really well out of assets which, you know, um, were priced in another era. You know, Melbourne's a really good one for deadlines. In Melbourne, there's a lot of nomination sales, which basically means that, you know, someone bought a property in 2017, it's settling in 2021, it was priced in 2017, they can't settle, they nominate it, 
through an instrument, a contract instrument, and buyers are buying, you know, four years ago prices. Um, again, deadlines, great way to look at the real estate market. Uh, developers, again, professional investors quite often make professional decisions to pass on their margin. Distress, there are people in financial distress in society today and they will be willing to do deals with you if you find them. Uh, disillusion, people become dismayed from where they are in their life and they uh, absolutely create uh, havoc with their assets. They will let them go because they're dismayed with where they are in this world. Uh, the bank foreclosures, it is not something happening at the moment because interest rates are so cheap. It's virtually impossible to go broke from real estate when you're borrowing money for nothing. But uh, down the track, foreclosures may be a thing. And um, certainly, I think in the right middle inner ring, um, early outer ring neighborhoods, certainly some good foreclosures to be had. Am I a fan of pure mortgagee marketplaces where there's constantly foreclosures. Not really. I think buying inequality is silly myself. And things dissolving. Obviously, marriages dissolve, companies dissolve. And when you are the beneficiary of that, you can make money from the concept or strategy of getting a discount. So today we went over a component of my Forex growth plan. And inside that growth plan, the first component is doing a deal. Today, we did the doing the deal of doing a discount. I hope that all makes sense. Sense. All right. Uh, well, thank you for tuning in to the Urban Property Investor. And I will catch you next time on a fun-filled episode. Until then, catch you later. Thanks for tuning in to the Urban Property Investor. To never miss an episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app or on YouTube. I would love it if you could give the show a rating and share it with your friends and family. In between episodes, you can always keep in touch with me by connecting on social media over Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Until we meet again on the next episode of the Urban Property Investor, take care and bye for now.